One Dental Clinic, sponsors of Women Today, offer convenient appointment times in the heart of Douglas, so you can fit your dental care into your working day. I'm really curious to know um, where people have ever travelled to around the world and found someone with links to the Isle of Man, because there we were, up a hill, uh, there were two other people that hadn't seen anybody else for miles and miles and miles. Turns out that he lived over here for three years um, doing some work with Manx Telecom. I had a text from Catherine who said, I met a couple from Foxdale on an island off Cuba, a tiny island with only two hotels. What were the chances? Amazing. But this is, us Manxies, we get around. We absolutely do. It's brilliant. We've also had a message from Tony Brown who says, when I was Minister for Local Government and the Environment, I travelled to a small German village, population around 3,000, to discuss recycling methods, which had two hotels. As I arrived, a coach had just pulled into the hotel car park and it was a Tours Isle of Man coach with 40 plus people from the (laughs) island on holiday on board, some from Castletown, and the first to get off was the then chairman of Castletown Town Commissioners and his wife. I greeted everyone, wished them a good holiday. They were only staying for one night and were gone early the next morning. As you say, you can't go anywhere in the world without bumping into someone from home but 40 of them yeah brilliant absolutely <laughs> fantastic feel for him, I know I know can't escape now for the past six years Noah Bakehouse has been one of the places to go in Douglas revolutionising the coffee culture here in the Isle of Man and such has been their success that they've outgrown their premises on Fort Street and in the past few days they've moved the cafe side of their business to the market hall with the bakery and coffee roastery staying uh, in the whole of the Fort Street site and we're delighted that the owners Miles and Pippa Pettit have taken some time out to come in and see us uh, this afternoon. Miles, I should say, though, you did reject our coffee offer downstairs. I did, I'm sorry. <laughs> a bit of a coffee snob, are you? Uh, it comes with the job, I'm afraid. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, tell us, reminders, how Noah came about, first of all. Um, I think it was meant to be a, an easier life, Pippa. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or an experiment during my maternity leave. Yeah. <laughs> I, I fancied uh, running a small bakery by the sea and, and, uh, and looking after the and kids. looking after the kids. And um, <laughs> hey, we've managed to make it by the sea, <laughs> well, by the harbour at least. Um, but yeah, not quite to plan. But very happy the way it's worked out. Because originally, before you came back to the Isle of Man, yeah, mm. I know you, for instance, Miles, were working in London, weren't you? Yeah. In a really hectic and high-powered and really chaotic kind of job. So this was supposed to be peace for you, yeah, wasn't it? Was. I, I don't know. I think over the last six years, we've we've come to understand ourselves that um we're i don't know we must want it yeah that's true we must we must hunt for that that um you know that lifestyle yeah yeah yeah, for sure and i think it just came at the perfect time for the isle of man because you know as i say i think it's fair to say it did revolutionize the Mm -hmm. coffee culture over here and suddenly people sort of got what having coffee and having a a social meeting place was all about and and they've really embraced it yeah, no, I mean, so many coffee shops are here now and uh, they're all doing really, really well. And it's still great that we're part of it and, and you know, just to see it all grow and change. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, it's kept us on our toes, I think, you know, and hence yeah. this last move that's really bred by you can't be complacent here. There's so much happening. Um, you know, it's it's really grown. So how did the move um, to the market hall come about? I don't know. When we were busy doing our business plan on the start of yes, maternity seven years ago yeah, yeah. yeah it was um we kept on looking at the market hall going wouldn't it be great if we could put a noah in there that would be the best site on yeah. earth i think we did pitch for it didn't we no do a soft pitch no I, I can't remember maybe maybe yeah. but it was it was being used then wasn't yeah. it? it was a cafe and a butcher's and a, yeah. but we kind of thought that would be the perfect location yeah. for a bakery cafe it's yeah, so when the new owners of the market hall uh 
uh, approached us about running a coffee shop there. Um, at the time, we just sort of jumped at it, didn't yeah, we? It was yeah. too good an opportunity to miss. But, um, you know, we wanted to do something different. We didn't want to affect uh, our current cafe. Um, and we wanted to have a different type of business in there. Mm-hmm. But I think over the build, because it's been quite a long build, yeah. um, we realised that actually the best thing for Noah was to divide the cafe and the bakery uh, apart because mm. of both sides uh, growing and we were on top of each other and we weren't able for either side to do what they wanted to do mm. so um, we put the whole cafe in its new home and it couldn't be better really because it has only just been a few days but, oh. but the early signs are pretty good are they well it's just such a lovely space I mean the market hall has always been a lovely space and it's one of those bits even at a building site we'd mm. walk in there and go oh this feels great and so you know i don't know it sounds a bit weird to talk about a building having a feeling but the market hall has a great history and a great feeling to it and to be able to be in there and and to see all of the noah you know friends and faces and the normal customers that come Mm. in you know it's great because it just feels like home it it feels really good straight away and noah has always been just as much about the people as about your products hasn't it yeah absolutely and i think that's the big part of Noah. and i think you know something Pippa and, and Romana uh, Swindon really worked really hard. What was Noah? And I don't think we had a clue. No, we didn't. <laughs> um, it evolved so yeah. much based on our budget and the changing uses. We, we didn't know how to bottle it, did we? No. To go, how do we bring that look and feel to a brand new, shiny, iconic building for the Isle of Man? Yeah. But Romana was brilliant, wasn't yeah. she? But it's to do it without the flower. Yeah. And without, <laughs> no dust. <laughs> you know, yeah, without all the bakery side of it as well. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot it's, easier. Yeah, it's a lot easier. Ian, have you got a, uh, a meeting somebody from the Alaban story? Yes, we were talking about this earlier on. Um, when uh, me and my wife got married, we went uh, on honeymoon uh, to a very small island called Mafia Island, which is off the coast of Tanzania. So we flew from Heathrow to Dar es Salaam. We then got on a very small plane and flew for an hour to land on another island on basically the football pitch. An hour and a half in a Land Rover to get down to a little bit of sea where we got on a dow and sailed for half an hour to get onto this small island where only 10 people can stay at any one time. So we're explaining all this to the lady who comes to greet us where we're from. And she says, yeah, my sister lives in Lonnon. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't make it up, no, could you? you? Also, it means you can't ever get away with anything. No. Yeah. Oh, yes. Somebody's good point. Always Somebody's watching. always watching Always you. watching. Mm. We are joined by Special Superintendent Ian Horsey uh, to tell us more about uh, what it takes to become a Special Constable here in the Isle of Man. First of all, I want to know, Ian, what powers do you have as a special constable? We have the same powers as our regular colleagues who do it full time. And there's no difference in what we can and can't do uh, on the day-to-day policing side of it. And as we're sworn in as constables, we hold the same office as they do and we have exactly the same powers. How did you get involved in all this? I had initially considered joining um, as a full-time police officer many years ago, uh, but through a series of events decided that it probably wasn't the best thing for me to do, but still wanted to do something that would allow me to give something back to the community. Uh, So the opportunity arose. They were advertising for special constables at that point, so I thought I might as well have a go and do that. And I think eight years later, here I am now trying to get other people to come and join me and do the same kind of thing. And in terms of time commitment, what's expected of people who join in this way? The minimum requirement we've got over the course of 12 months is 100 hours, which doesn't work out as being an awful lot. It's 
two shifts a month, uh, if that's to go through. But we need to have some kind of minimum commitment to make sure that people maintain their skills and their competencies while they're out and about to make sure that they're operating at you know, the same level as their regular counterparts. And how old do you have to be and how old can you be to do this? Slightly differently to the regulars, there isn't an upper age limit that we put on it. However, you have to be capable of passing the physical side of it, so able to do the bleep test. The minimum age is 18 and a half at uh, starter training, um, but we do tend to quite like people who've maybe come a little bit after that, so they've got a bit of life experience to bring to the role as well, because you know, 18 and a half can seem quite young when they come in and do that. You said life experience is, is, is a good thing to have, but what, what other sort of skill sets or what sort of background do you think makes a really good special constable? I think it's the variety of backgrounds of the people we have doing it that actually makes it. Really what we want from people is a desire to get involved, who want to learn and to want to challenge themselves and to, to do something that will benefit their local community or the island as a whole. The Nation Station People getting in touch in droves about this have had a text saying, we were sat in the bar in a ski resort in France during a snowstorm and got talking to the couple next to us. When we said we were from the Isle of Man, she said her best friend at university many years ago was from Port Erin and she'd lost touch with her after finishing university. I was brought up in Port Erin, asked her name, turns out it was a good friend of mine and I put them back in touch with each other. That's a very lovely story. That is a lovely story. Um, and Speaker of the House Keys, Jim Watterson, said he was in the Falkland Islands when he heard, hi, are you Jim Watterson? Thought so. We live in Dole and uh, obviously about 8,000 miles away from home but he was instantly recognisable. In the UK, a film celebrating the lives of one of the most famous comedy duos in history opened in cinemas last Friday. Stan and Ollie, probably best known to us all as Laurel and Hardy, first worked together in the early 1920s and in a career spanning 25 years, they made 107 films together. So that was 32 silent films, 40 short sound films and 23 full-length feature films. And I did have to ask Chris what a short sound film was because I thought it was something to do with the sound tiny sound (laughs) as opposed to just a short film with sound sound. on it (laughs) yes but anyway there we go Uh, but yeah Uh, this afternoon it does feel as if we are actually joined in the studio with our own Laurel and Hardy because we have uh, got Dave Shaw and Wayne Kelsall here but we're just going to call you uh, Stan and Ollie I think for the rest (laughs) of the show Um, they were at last year's Edinburgh film very good idea it's going to be one of those shows, isn't it? <laughs> they were at last year's Edinburgh Fringe Festival performing a play that Dave actually wrote called The Laurel and Hardy Story. And Dave, you, you have had a fascination with uh, this duo from a very early age. Where did it start? Um, I think as a child, it used to be on a Saturday morning and I always used to watch it. And my friends did as well. And it's just uh, come from that really. And I've sort of done a bit of research since and it's just taken, taken, taken off from there really. And this play then, yeah. how... Factual, is it? Um, it's probably best described. It starts off, um, it's a bit like This Is Your Life. It starts off from them both being boys, where they were born, going through to them getting together with various other producers in America and, and starting and, and the rise to fame. And then ultimately, the quite a sad end, really. But uh, it's about a 45-minute play that we did for Edinburgh and it's got songs and sketches within it as well. So, How did you find your Hardy? My Stan. Oh, you're standing. I'm getting really confused. <laughs> I don't know, really. Um, we're about the right size physically, and um, just in a mirror, really. I, I, and hopefully, I, I actually didn't think we looked like them, but people in Edinburgh seem to think we did. So it's it's gone all right thus far. <laughs> you mentioned the the sort of uh, ideas behind 
your writings. What did you think when this film came out then? Because it almost feels like they, they may have heard about yours and have written a film on the back of it because it sounds like it's a similar sort of theme that it they're is, covering. Yeah, it's about the, the final tour in England when they, were, they, were, they, were, they weren't doing too well to start with then. Um, but we haven't seen it because I don't think it's coming to the island. So we're looking forward to watching it really because, I mean, Steve Coogan's a superb uh, impersonator from Spitting Image onwards and I've always admired him. So it'd be really interesting to watch it. I did get in touch um, with both the cinemas over here this morning to see if and when the film was coming over here, but nobody knew, unfortunately, which is a shame. Well, the thing is, there's not just those two big cinemas, of course, that we were talking earlier in. There's there's Peel, films in Peel and also Patchwork Cafe that do films in different places like that. So fingers crossed one of them will pick it up. Wayne, where did your interest in this duo come from? Um, The same as Dave, really. As a kid, uh, we liked watching it uh, on a Saturday morning and I've always wanted to do it um, for years, but I've never actually had a stand and I did ask somebody that you might know for uh, Dave Dawson many many moons ago and he ummed and ahed about it but Stan is a lot shorter than Ollie Ollie was about six foot two so six foot and Stan's about five eight so we're right size really yeah whereas Dave is taller than me so it it worked out really well when Dave was a big fan and I was a big fan and we thought go on let's have a go now, they did both have quite well-established film careers before they set up as a duo, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, they did, yeah. Um, Ollie always played uh, the bad guy, didn't he? He played the thugger heavy, yeah. you know, sort of the, the bad lad in, in the films. And uh, Stan, they, they, they got together purely by accident because, um, in reality, uh, Oliver Hardy was a big cook and he burnt his arm on a on, on some lamb, wasn't it? Yeah, lamb, some yeah. lamb. So couldn't do a film, Stan um, filled in for him, then they met and they just, somebody, I think uh, Hal Roach thought they were funny together, and these things happen in the show business, don't they? These happy accidents just occurred, and they mm. put them together, and then they took off in the short films, the two reelers, that's what the short films are, so they're about 20 minutes long, that's where they were at the best, in sort of 1932, around that, that's when they won the Oscar for the music box. Yeah, because Stan went to America originally uh, as understudy to Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. And so that's how we got there. Mm. He got left eye and dry by Charlie Chaplin. Uh, Ch- Chaplin got a break in films and uh, Stan ended up, uh, on, well, he was he was skint. He yeah. had to come back uh, in vaudeville and then went again. And that's when he met uh, Oliver Hardy. Fresh fish caught in the ocean this morning. Swordfish, salmon, mackerel and tuna. <laughs> boy, oh boy, here we are for the first time in our lives of success. Nice little fish business and making money. You know, Ali, I've been thinking. What about? Well, I know how we could make a lot more money. How? Well, if we caught our own fish, we wouldn't have to pay for it. Then whoever we sold it to, it would be clear profit. Tell me that again. Well, if you caught a fish... Whoever you sold it to wouldn't have to pay for it. That the profit would go to the fish, and well, if you caught caught a fish and I know exactly what you mean. Your idea is to get rid of the middleman. Here we are making pennies when we could be making dollars. All we need is a couple of fish poles. A couple of fish poles. Why, with a million dollar idea like that, we are going to get ourselves a boat. <laughs> fresh fish. We've got Mark with us from Abbey Dental. And Mark, I'm just intrigued to know what you make of all of these sort of sometimes quite radical diets and can they actually affect our dental health? I think um, if you 
if you starved yourself for a month uh, and just just drank water, um, the effect on your teeth would be almost minimal because the teeth themselves are already formed. Now, obviously, in a child who's got developing teeth, diet's very important. Uh, I'll, I'll sometimes see children with lines across their teeth and I'll say, did he have measles or did he have uh, flu or, or something when he was about four or five years old and that affects the development of the teeth and you can see it in the developing teeth once they're developed it's not so much the teeth get affected by extreme diets it would be the gums and the periodontal ligament the little fibers that hold the teeth in place and i think the example that we said earlier was sailors when they got scurvy because of the lack of the vitamin c it wasn't the teeth that were affected it was the the sort of gums and the ligaments holding the teeth in that were affected by the lack of vitamins. And you're saying as well before, you're saying it's not just gums, but actually your tongue can be quite radically affected. Tell us about that. Yeah, things like um, the tongue itself. um, Certain types, some people are sensitive to spicy food. Some people could be sensitive to things like tomatoes. And uh, there's a condition called geographic tongue. Um, where the little bumps on everyone has a kind of yeah you're sticking your tongue out but all the little bumps on your tongue everyone does it and all the bumps on your tongue are there for a reason some of them um, produce saliva some of them are there for taste buds and um, certain types of spices foods whatever chemicals affect those and they they sort of they get damaged, they depopulate, they, they, they come off. So the tongue itself becomes smooth in certain areas and it almost looks like a map, hence the term geographic tongue. Um, vitamins, uh, if you are iron deficiency, you can get a, a kind of a very smooth, shiny tongue. Um, dryness in the mouth, if you suffer from dry mouth, from you know illness or drugs, that will again affect the mouth. Um, so that all those sort of things, there's, there's various, and certain drugs can affect the gums as well as the tongue. The Nation Station, Match Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome to the programme. And today we are once again on the Conister Rock, the show where our guest shares with us music and memories. So let's meet today's guest then, someone incidentally who's worked with Sir Richard Branson, more about that a little bit later, but someone who also says she lives by a piece of advice given to her by her dad. Take care every opportunity and uh, Sammy Leahy welcome to the Conister Rock do you think you've always taken every opportunity that's come your way wow <laughs> um, not every single one but a whole lot of them yeah I think it's great advice thanks dad your family name is synonymous with business here in the Isle of Man again we'll talk more about Manvent a little bit later but I wonder as as a thing that shaped you as a person as a businesswoman how important that's been oh gosh huge um You know, I saw my parents um, build that business um, with with my grandparents as well and and other family members from from nothing to to what it is today. And, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice goes along, there's a lot of lessons learnt. Um, There was a lot of chat at home that I absorbed and listened to, um, strangely, maybe as a child, but I'm one of those people I observe and I listen and, you know, and and I'm so, so proud of them. So, so proud of them all. It's huge. It's fair to say that your work life is incredibly varied. How do you um, describe what you do in a nutshell? Uh, a little bit mad probably but um, you know variety is the spice of life and I I love everything I do and whilst it's sometimes a bit difficult to juggle I just um, I thrive off a a challenge Um, I love every aspect of all the different businesses so yeah 
yeah, maybe I'm a bit mad, but I love it. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. But first, Sammy Lee, take us back to your childhood. You were born here in the island and you grew up initially in Laxey. What do you remember about those very early days? Oh, my goodness. I had the best childhood. Thank you, Mum and Dad. Um, yeah, I grew up in Laxey, a um, few different places. We were in up behind Agnish at one point, which is a part a lot of people have never been to. Um, but yeah, most most of it was on the sort of the way into Laxey from the sort of Baldrine end. But I just remember the freedom, um, you know, out on our bicycles all the time. We were at the beach an awful lot, swimming out to the raft. There was a lot of camping in each other's gardens with friends down the road, um, putting on fashion shows, um, drinking from streams. You know, I just just an amazing childhood. Um, there's a lot of friends who family friends of of my parents who who had kids my age who we all used to call ourselves the team there was about eight families I think and we used to do loads of different things together go camping at different parts of the island for a couple of nights or you know big walks and all sorts of stuff you know it was it was a fantastically outdoor adventurous life you did paint an idyllic picture of a, a very simple but happy upbringing Oh, completely. You know, it was all about doing things together, being inventive and creative and, you know, playing a lot of games. I mean, sport is huge to me, so I always loved all of that. But um, yeah, totally, totally. It was it was good. And as a family, very close? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we are. We still are. We all speak to each other pretty much every day <laughs> or twice or three times a day. So yeah, yeah, I've got a big family, actually, a lot in the UK and different parts of the world. And yeah, we all know each other pretty well. OK, we're going to hear your first music choice now. Um, how did you find the process of choosing five pieces, first of all? Really difficult. Um, as we discussed before the show, there's one song I really wanted to play and I cannot remember the name of it. But um, yeah, so I kind of thought of, OK, well, what's a song from each maybe sort of era or phase in my life? Um, and And this particular, the first one is very much sort of of a genre I suppose that was played in the house when I was a child it wouldn't be something I necessarily I've never bought this song or particularly played it myself but it was a parental choice (laughs) and I think a lot of other people might identify with this type of song so it just reminds me of my dad singing to be honest at home what is it rhinestone cowboy Guys, get one. 